All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Brent Wallace, and in desperate need of a haircut, it is episode 24. He's NHL veteran defenseman Mark Mathot, who's lucky enough that his wife cuts his hair. Hey, Meth? Yes. Aren't I handsome? <laughs> you probably could have used a comb today. Anyway, um, <laughs> It's time to hop into the driver's seat and get the episode started. So let's go. Uh, Barhaven Ford, by the way, has started its own lineup of BFC custom vehicles. The Barhaven Ford Customs custom builds on F-150s, Rangers, and the iconic Mustang. They are the first and only dealership in Ottawa to feature the Roush-inspired custom builds. Go check them out. Biggest inventory in Ottawa, by the way. Beautiful spot, 555 dealership drive, barhavenford.com slash bfc-customs. Okay, uh, great show for uh, today. Coming up in the Whitewater chat room. We have got uh, Jeff O'Neill, the star of Overdrive with him and Jay McLennan and Brian Hayes, uh, former NHL player, of course, played 12 years, played with the Leafs. We're going to get a chance to chat with him about the Leafs and the playoffs and his career and how much fun it was to work with me. Um, plus, we got your picks coming up for tonight's game in On the Points by, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot. But first, as always, Meth, let's get to the headlines brought to you by Bonnishier Excavating, Inc., helping to shape the Ottawa Valley, BonishereExcavating.com. All right, center block. Who do the Sens target at number one center, and how do they go about doing it? Joie de vivre, no life in the Leafs or Habs game. Why is it so dull to watch? Making the call, the inconsistent refing in the playoffs. 
the great defender. Have you ever feared an opposing goalie going into the postseason? And the blowout. What happens next in Edmonton? Okay, Meth, center block. So it's been continued to be talked about here in the nation's capital. And that is the need for a number one center, which I thought we had solved with Josh North, perhaps. But if they're going to go out and get some veteran center, who do they do it and how do they go about doing it? They talked about Ryan Nugent Hopkins in Edmonton. He's a UFA. What about Claude Giroux? But Giroux's got a year left on his deal and it pays him $8.275 million. Is that even le- common sense at this moment? At this moment, If there's one name that I like in this conversation that we're currently having, it would be Claude Giroux. There's no question. Not only is he a fantastic leader and player, he would be great for the young group. He lives in Canada. That's where his house is with he and his wife and his kids. So uh, it, it, it checks out if, in fact, first of all, if the, the team is willing to shell out another $8 million for a player during a quote-unquote rebuild. Because uh, I, I, st- I still consider next season part of the rebuild. So anyway, if you ask me, do we need a centerman? No. I mean, I thought we've settled this debate. And it's, it's Josh Norris. You have your number one guy who is an excellent two-way player in a young man's league. Right. We don't need to go out there and find, and I'm not suggesting Clojure is an over-the-hill player. He's not. But I'm saying to go out there and overpay for some free agent, it just it's, it makes absolutely no sense. I don't even know why this is a point of discussion. I don't either, but, it, but it's brought up. And so, the, like, I don't want to say he's Derek Stepan, but they went out and got a huge money contract and they thought was going to be a number one center. Now, Claude Giroux is not yeah. Derek Stepan, but my point is, can he keep up with the pace of the Ottawa centers, which the how they're currently built, which is built sure. full on speed and a lot of young legs. Yeah, he can. Claude, uh, Claude, Claude Giroux absolutely can keep up. There's no question there. He's a good skater. He's not a big lumbering old forward. He's he's a he's still relatively. I don't want to say. I guess he's young, but he still has some years to play here. And I sure. mean, maybe a, a change of pace for him would would be good. But beyond all of that, like I said earlier. When you brought in Derek Stepan, you didn't really know what you had in Josh Norris. Josh Norris emerges under a little adversity, earns his spot, and he he's earned that spot. He is our true number one guy. I, it's mind-boggling to me that this is even a point of conversation. It's it's stupid. You have a you have a you have a workhorse, a good two-way guy at a young age, no, might I add that you can really just milk for the next 10 years, depending on how you want to extend him. And he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's in fantastic shape. He's well-disciplined. I'm like, what what more do you want? Okay, so clearly this says then that the Senators need to be a playoff team next year if they're not going to have Josh Norris develop as a one center. And he may have some growing pains. Maybe Maybe in the first 10, 12 games of the season, he has a bit of a hard time. That's part of growing into the league like this. It's not always going to be daisies every year. You're going to have some growing pains. You're going to struggle at times, but you got to stick with them. And to me, a player like that with the, with the attitude that he brings and his skill set, I mean, I'd feel very comfortable if I was management in Josh Norris. But, uh, but my point was simply that we don't think that this is a playoff team. So why do you have to go out and get somebody right. else? No, no, no. Right? I'm so- sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Again, it, it, it just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. If you're still considering this part of the rebuild, then you're not, you're not, you know, throwing the kitchen sink at free agency, trying to find anything that sticks and throwing a bunch of money at it. It just, to me, given the circumstance of where the team's at, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, interesting side note to the Sens this week, a little bit of news, Vitaly Abramov or Abramov, sorry, uh, heads back to play in the KHL with his hometown team. Now he played in five NHL games during his time. I don't here. blame him. 
I it's right. Like it's tough to say, Hey, keep waiting for your shot. When you look and see that perhaps he's not going to get a top six spot here next season and, and exactly. he's an RFA, which means they're going to just have to qualify him. And he stays in the AHL once again, he gets to play in his hometown yeah. and he's going to make pretty good money, certainly better money than he would be making in the American league. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, again, it's not all about the money, of course, but that's a big thing. And the oh. comfort of playing in his home country, in his hometown, like, come on. And, and if they don't qualify him and they allow him to become an, a restrict, an unrestricted free agent, he can come back perhaps and find a spot yeah. for him in the NHL. Like, that's not for everybody, though. There's a oh, lot of we, great players that play overseas that you could sure. make an argument belong over here, as you know, Wally, because you've covered a lot of world championships. You've seen a lot of good players. It's not for everybody. It's a different game. I just think that there's so many players and we know this from Europe or even the AHL who can play in the NHL, but because of the circumstances of whether they fit into that particular organization's role, they don't right. get a chance. And I think he's one of them where he can probably find a spot somewhere else, but I agree until that happens. I, you know, good luck to him. Cause I think he's been a, a great soldier for Ottawa and former Gatineau Olympic also, by the way. All right. Uh, Joie yep. de vivre. Uh, this Leafs have series meth is as dull as can be for, you know, two iconic franchises. And it's supposed to be the first time in 42 years. I can't wait for it to end. Is this simply the fact that there's no fans in the stands? Yeah, I, part of it is, I think missing that fan atmosphere is huge. I, I know from experience playing against both teams, Toronto, obviously regular season is different, but I can speak for Montreal and playing a couple rounds there in that barn. And it's incredible. I mean, that might be one of my favorite places to play in the National Hockey League. And it's magnified when you play in that atmosphere with all the fan passion in the postseason. So you would think that missing that would have a huge impact. And of course it is. But I think it's beyond all that. The series to me, and after, you know, during watching, uh, during game four, I believe it is, uh, it was when I posted a little tweet about the lack of fan, yeah. or excuse me, the lack of uh, the lack of grit or what. I was basically calling out the series for being boring. Yeah. Yeah, um, you're right. And and I, yeah, I think that was a very fair assessment. I don't I think a lot of people agreed with me. I got a little bit of blowback for whatever reason from Toronto fans. Yeah. Meanwhile, I mean, I had them winning the series, but I think people get hypersensitive. In any case, I don't know that it's just the, the the lack of fans. I think there's something more going on in the series. It's been a huge disappointment. And to me, it's 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 deeper than all this. It's like if you're Montreal and you're down a couple games. Why isn't somebody engaging? Like, where are the, 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 the storylines within the game that happened in the scrums, getting in the goalie's kitchen? Like, if Campbell is standing on his head, and you're Corey Perry, and I don't want to pick – Corey Perry is one of my boys. I won a Memorial Cup with him. But a player like Corey or Gallagher, yeah. like, I'm surprised no one's getting right to the net and making little slight contact, like playing those mind games. It just – it's just – this is exactly what Toronto wants. They want an easy game because they've got so much skill and skating ability. So where's all the grit, Wally? Okay, so then I'm going to ask you this. And because, of, I mean, they went out and got Eric Stahl and they got Corey Perry. They brought in guys who had won so that they could, you know, they know what it takes to get into the next round or, or beyond, right? Yeah. Did that hit from John Tavares on Corey Perry, who, you know, obviously is a guy that mixed stuff up. Did that just take the life out of this series? But how, like, if you're a professional, you've got to find a way to get past that, no? Okay, the, that might be part of it in some weird way, but it doesn't really hold any water because Toronto is still winning games right now. They're yeah. obviously up on the series. And it's like, to me, if you're much, okay, maybe it affects Corey Perry a little bit, perhaps. I could see that if I severely injured a guy, 
no matter how accidental it was, I'd still feel bad yep. a little bit yep. and it would stick, you know, it would stick to oh, you a little bit. For sure. So, so I can understand that. But at the end of the day, we know that John Tavares is okay right now. Thank, thankfully, of course, and he's a fantastic human being. So I don't want to sound insensitive, but you have to move on from that. Like you have to play the game. Now the game continues. It's the NHL playoffs. People get hurt. Sometimes it's the unfortunate part of playing a violent sport. I do. I think it's dictated the dullness, if you will, of this series. I don't see how that's even remotely possible. I just think this is Montreal. This is on them. This is the lack of compete that you're getting out of them. They limped into the postseason and they're continuing on with the limping. They're not playing inspired hockey. They're not engaging. And, and I don't know what the answer here is. Yeah, they've picked up some older players. I think Stahl's been a bit of a disappointment. I actually thought he was going to be a lot better when he came over here. Uh, but like Corey Perry's done his job. He's been very, he's been, you get, you get what you get from Corey Perry. Yeah. He's still going to be greasy. He still creates opportunities. He gets into the hard areas, but overall as a group, the decor is lacking a little, they're lacking a little puck mobility. There's an argument to bring, bring in Romanov and perhaps reinvigorate the back end a little. Carey Price has been fine. He's actually been pretty good. I think just as a whole, the forward group has been a, a big disappointment. And obviously a lack of puck possession has been an issue. Petrie has been very, uh, invisible, if you will. I hate saying that because he's up for the Norse trophy as far as being in that conversation. Yep. But you just, you have the bottom line here. I'll stop rambling on. You have too many players underperforming. It's our podcast. We can ramble all we want. I, I will <laughs> say the two players that the Montreal Canadiens need are Alex Burroughs and Luke Richardson to be on the ice. Yeah, right? yeah that's, true. that's exa- true. Exactly what they need. They need the two assistant coaches. A little fire. To yes. Uh, and I will say, the more I watch Jason Spezza be reinvigorated uh, in these posts in this postseason, I want him to win the Stanley Cup. So, yeah. of all the former Senators who are out there with Borvietsky and Stone, I think Stone will get his cup later. Uh, Pajot's still young. Jason Spezza, this could be. A, I would love to see him win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and Wally, I just want to. I want to really make this clear. This isn't me being. I'm not being partial to one side. You know, like I don't have a favorite here. And you got to give Toronto props. They're winning. They're playing very well right now. Good for them. All we're saying right now is that we wish the series had a little more bite. Yeah, it's lacking a lot no jam. of jam. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and it's perfect for the Leafs because I don't think they play that style of game at all, period, for the most yeah. part. Um, Correct. All right. Make the call. The inconsistent refing we've seen throughout this postseason. We even saw it in the, the Leaf game last night. I think it led to the no trip led to a goal, whatnot. Like it seems well, that there's cross checks into the boards <laughs> that aren't getting called. And then there's fines. I don't understand how, the, and it maybe because there's more of a microscope this year. I'm not sure. It just seems there are more missed calls and more bad calls made than any other year in the postseason. Yeah, and you could make an argument on the Byron trip too. I believe I don't know who right. it was. I should, but Byron, Paul, yeah, Paul Byron goes down, then kind of slowly gets up. They actually end up scoring on that play. But in any case, I do believe the NHL. I do believe NHL officiating is the best in the world. Like if you compare it to I most agree. other sports. Like these guys are able to keep up with NHL players on skates. These guys are training in the hallways before games. Like when I would warm up, I, I think yeah. I've said this before. They're out there skipping, stretching, doing everything that we're doing. The ex- and again, NBA refs, they do the same thing. You know, like they run up and down the court. There's a lot of work involved. But the NHL refs are in a very hostile environment with vulcanized rubber being tossed around at 100 miles an hour with sticks. It's unpredictable and it's incredibly fast. So we got to give them props. They're very good. Has it been a little ins- inconsistent? Yes. The Montreal game to me was the biggest one. I-, I found it just odd how they were letting some stuff go, but calling the other infractions. 
I'm sure they have meetings leading up to this. I know the head officials have meetings with the officials on the ice after games. They do reviews. They go over everything. So you can count on them doing, making a couple adjustments, I'm sure. I wish that it was more consistent. I do like to, but, but I'm going to counter, I'm going to counter my own argument with, I do like that. Occasionally they do put the whistles away and just let the games play. No, here's my problem with that. Hold on, The the game is too quick now to just let everything go. In the old days, in the eighties, and even in the early nineties, the game was slower. So guys don't get hurt as much. Guys are now going to, I agree with that. They've got to find, they've got to call the game, just like the double IHF international rules. If it's a penalty, it's a penalty. Okay. No, 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 These players. Okay. No, 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 no. Please do not bring up the gut. Sorry. I can't swear. Do not bring up the double IHF officiating. Cause let me tell you, every time I've played at a world championship, they call everything. It's they're supposed to. No, when I say everything, I mean plays that generally should not be called. Like a, like a, maybe my stick goes over the top of another player's stick, slashing, you're gone, go to the box, like any little thing. And it slows the game down. So if you're a viewer and you're watching every minor little tiny thing being called, you're going to get so frustrated. The game will take three hours to play. I just don't care for it. Eventually that goes away though. Eventually the players stop doing it and they stop trying to kill the other guy by shoving him into the board in a dangerous man. The obvious calls like the Paul Byron trip, the Deneau plays, all those stuff. Sure. You got to call that stuff. I'm not saying otherwise. I'm talking about the petty, the petty little calls where you might make an argument that he may have hit a player on his arm or something, but it was very light Um, interference calls some stuff to me that doesn't really affect the play itself. There's no need for it, but obviously we're, we're going to be at odds on this. I know. I just don't want to see guys being driven into the boards head first with a shot from behind. I just have a problem with that. There's way too much of it, but there's way too much of that. that doesn't get called. And so I'm just tired of seeing guys get folded. Uh, We'll move on because we can argue about this until another day. Um, The great defender. So, there's very few I see goaltenders, I think, in this year's postseason where you fear going in, like Vasilevsky, maybe Carey Price based on his reputation, uh, probably Brabovsky, maybe on reputation, although he's not been very good. So have you ever gone into a playoff series as a team and go, we're facing Carey Price tonight? Yeah, well, Carey Price is a perfect example, and I use this not as a lazy example, but because I played when I was with Ottawa, we played against him quite a bit, clearly, and um, mind you, I don't think he really was ever that big of a factor in our series with, with Montreal. Of course, I thought we got, well, we got probably a little lucky against him, but in any case, to me, I guess, selfishly, I would suggest that a goaltender that is very good at, at handling the puck is more of a threat than anything else player that can act as a third defenseman that is a confident puck handler gets that catches those dump ins and rims and makes breakout passes. Those are the guys you're really worried about. But I think if you were to ask that same question to a forward, like perhaps a Kyle Turris or another player, Mark Stone, who, I, who I've played with in the past, they would give you a different perspective. But for me as a D-man, the last thing I was worried about was a goalie between in the crease that was making stops. I was always worried about the goalie that would make me look really stupid on a dump in and would stop the puck from going around the wall. But sure. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's gamesmanship. If you are playing against a good goalie, get in his face, get in front of him at net front, just annoy the, annoy the shit out of him. Get like, talk to him after whistles. Those are the things you have to do. It's there's so many mind games that are happening during a long series and again, we're going back right now to the Toronto series with Montreal. Yeah. I just don't see Montreal doing enough of that with Jack Campbell. 
And I think of Corey Perry as a classic example of that particular thing. I also forgot to mention Connor Hellebuck is one of those goalies, but so yeah. uh, would you, I, you played against Marty Brodeur. No, you would have been. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Puck like, would you, ch- yep. would you change your game plan? Yeah, we had to. Marty and it wasn't just Marty Brodeur. It was guy, even Marty Turco in Dallas. Those two guys could handle pucks better than some defensemen. Right. So, <laughs> so you had to get your rims up. And a lot of times we had to change our game plan a little bit and do a cross corner dumps and they had to be like perfect dumps, right? So if it was too hard, the D-man would automatically get the bounce off the wall and you'd have a clear yeah. breakout. But you had to find ways to float it in so that it would die right on the wall. And then it would turn into a nightmare for those defensemen because you'd have guys running at them on loose pucks. So again, it depends on the goalie skill set that you're playing against. Uh, all right, finally, the blow-up. Okay, what happens with the Edmonton Oilers now? And that kind of reminds me of perhaps the, the Ottawa Senators in the early 2000s where, you know, they have these yeah. great teams, just can't get it done in the postseason. So, like, you've got McDavid and Dreisaitl signed. So, do you waste them or do you, like, what do you do? I, they have well, Hoskin and for sin- another year. They've got, okay. but Mike Smith is a UFA. Like, there's a They're lot They're going to resign change. him. So, they, they've been pretty open that they wanted to resign Mike Smith. I know he's really old, but he had a very good year. Is he, he your number one year. guy? Well, he might be. I mean, okay. what other options do you have? I mean, unless you throw the, the bank at somebody at free agency or you make a big hockey trade, which, which quite frankly, I don't know that they can do. They don't have any depth, right? Like, well, yep. I shouldn't say they don't have any depth. They don't have a lot of depth. And they don't have a lot of pieces that they can just give away, like like Ottawa, for example. Like, we're, they're rich in draft picks and good prospects. I don't know that I don't know enough about the farm system there in Edmonton, but I can tell you just from seeing their team and their their dress team in the Edmonton Oilers lineup in the major league level, I there's not a whole lot to work with. So first of all, you can't consider obviously even remotely moving your top two guys. Like let's get that out of the conversation. You're not getting rid of McDavid, obviously. You're no. not getting rid of Dreisaitl. How do you make this team better? Well, you need to bring in some better depth pieces. And and, and then a lot of this is draft picks, right? Look at the Ottawa Senators right now. They're built deep. And when I say that, I mean rigid young players that can fill good roles, right? So your top two lines in Ottawa alone are compromised of a lot of young players. I don't know that you have that at Edmonton right now. You don't have a lot of guys that can really step up and bring in secondary scoring in big games in the postseason. And so... Winnipeg does the job on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl for the most part. And by the way, these two players feasted on the Winnipeg Jets during the regular season. And what did we talk about going into the playoffs, Wally? We said, if you, if your top two guys can't perform, typically that does happen because players study so much going into the playoffs. Like I'm playing against Sidney Crosby. I'm trying to figure out all his tendencies. I'm trying to figure out all his line mates, what they're doing. Oftentimes, your top dogs aren't necessarily going to have the same goal production or point production. So you're going to rely on your second and third lines. They didn't get anything out of their team. They were flat and they lost the series. And to me, it wasn't that big of a surprise. If you could shut down McDavid, you're going to win this series. And they did. It, if you're Connor McDavid, do you want out? No, you don't want out. I mean, well, I mean, I can't speak for Connor McDavid. If I'm Connor McDavid, I want to go play in Florida, but that's me. I'm not Connor McDavid. I'm not a Hall of Fame player, okay? So selfishly, I'd like to go play in a nice warm climate, making $15 million a year, paying low taxes. That sounds like a really good plan. But yeah. he's stuck in cold Edmonton. By the way, I have all the respect in the world for Edmonton. I have all the time in the world for that city because I love You're such an apologist. There. No, no, I'm not. Because now if they were still playing in their old building, 
I would say otherwise, but they've got the new <laughs> building there and it's a beautiful it's nice. facility. Yeah. Like you, you know, Wally, like, like even as an away player, when you would go in there on the road, I mean, it's just like, Oh my goodness. Like the, any, like the, the, the visitor's room is beautiful. Nice. I can only imagine what the, so in any case, if you're Connor McDavid, I think the love that he's gotten there is the captain of the team. He's not going anywhere. He's going to stay there. Like the, let's just, that's not a conversation for today, but yeah. you, you have, so right now, if you're the Edmonton Oilers, like I said earlier, you have to figure out who to bring in. At this point, I, I don't even know where you begin. I think you need an extra piece on D. I thought they were good on D. I think you got to bring in a top four D men right now. I really do. I don't think they're good enough there. I don't think there's enough puck movement on the back end. And then up front, you just need more production out of your second and third lines. I mean, you can nag and rag on that fourth line right now, but it, it's not going to get you anywhere. You need a better second line. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins had a tough go. He's clearly had a tough go in the postseason, and not just this year, in the prior years. Yep. You need better production out of those guys. Simple. I, I just want to point out their draft picks for next season. They do not have a second, third, or fifth round pick. Like they've, I, I don't know what they're doing management-wise, but they don't have, it seems to be a clear-cut decision of what's going on. And I just think you got to try and keep McDavid and Drysaddle happy. Whether or not they're going anywhere is a different story, but you've certainly well, got to keep them engaged or you end up with a Jack Eichel situation. Yeah, and you got to you have to avoid having to split them up all the time when you're getting lack of depth of yeah. scoring on your bot on your second line, right? So you saw that happen during the year. Then oh, all of a sudden they're back together and they're winning games and they're destroying teams. You can't afford to split them up. They need to stay together. I know they're making a ton of money. I don't know what the percentage is on the cap hit, but it's pretty high within those two players. Yeah. So that also that also ties your hands a little if you're the general manager right now. So it's a tough situation. I'm not smart enough to know who you go after. I'll have to look at the free agency list. I do think you're going to have to make some hockey trades. I really do. I think you can't just throw money at free agents and overpay. You're going to have to make some legitimate moves. And that's where you have to earn your money. If you're the GM right now and, and Kevin Holland, and you're looking at these lineups, you have to figure something out. Yeah, asset management is key, and I don't think they've done a very good job at it. Okay, those are the headlines built by BEI, Bonisher Excavating, Inc., helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Uh, time for a quick break. When we come back, the O-Dog is unleashed. And as we go into the chat, quenched by whitewaterbeer.ca. Don't forget to use the Wally Mathot coupon, 15% off, and don't forget delivery to your home. Uh, that is whitewaterbeer.ca, and you are watching the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Check out the all-new BFC Custom Vehicles at 555 Dealership Drive in Barhaven. Time now for the chat, quenched by Whitewater Brewing Company. From Blonde Ales to New England IPAs, Whitewater Beer is brewed by friends for friends. Available at the LCBO, Licensed Grocers, and shopwhitewater.ca, where you enter coupon code Wally and Method and get 15% off. Must be 19 years of age or older. All right, welcome back to the Wally Mathot Show. Time now for the chat, quenched by whitewaterbeer.ca. Pleased to be joined by my good friend. I get to call him that because we used to work together. Uh, Jeff O'Neill. Oh, dog, uh, pleased to have you on the show, my friend. I think good friend is a bit of a stretch, Wally. We worked together <laughs> twice. Well, and we never had dinner. We didn't do anything. We did two hits together. One in the playoffs in Ottawa and one in Pittsburgh. And you butchered that one. So I think good friends is a stretch. Oh, this you know, makes okay, me so well, happy. <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on. That's not the only time we worked together. There was a time I came in to host a playoff panel with you, and I, I think it was Darren Dreger. We're getting ready to do the show, and it's an afternoon game. It's Washington at somebody. I don't know who it is. Where's O'Dog? 
No, old dog. The show is like we're five minutes to airtime. You stopped at Wendy's to buy three hundred dollars worth of burgers for everybody and barely made it to the set on time to do the show. Do you yeah, remember that? I remember. Yeah, I remember that, Wally. And what happened was, I used to have to do Leafs lunch, so I would get like a day room at the hotel because I'm like, I'm not driving home in Toronto traffic, and then two hours later, turning around and driving in Toronto traffic. So I get the hotel room. And I remember I woke up and I was like, I wasn't feeling well. I was getting a cold and I had a deep sleep. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to miss this panel. And then I'm like, I'm hungry, too. And I know Steve Dryden loves the Baconator. So I got everybody. <laughs> just bags of Wendy's that come in. Anyway, I'll, but I can just remember you flustering like I, I thought it was later. Anyway, we got the show done and then we had burgers in the first period. So it was all good. Yeah. And then. The one in Pittsburgh was interesting because you sat next to me and, and talked about what you should buy your then girlfriend, a, a, a sweatshirt of some sort from Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm glad that's my eventual wife, because if it wasn't, I would end this interview right now. <laughs> <laughs> I did end up marrying my girlfriend. Always a little souvenir on the road, pal. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's good to get a sweatshirt. Who doesn't want a hoodie? Um I, I, I do want you to apologize to me over something that we actually haven't discussed. And that is when you were a player, you yeah. would not talk on game day. Yeah. You so, want to know why? Well, I, I so I just, I'll let you explain, but you came out of the Ottawa room. I think you're with Toronto, but you might've been Carolina. And I was like, Hey Jeff, do you have a sec? Nope. Oh dog. Jeff doesn't talk on game day. I'm pretty sure you did third person to me. And then you just walked by me. I guarantee you I never said Jeff doesn't talk on game day. And the only reason I never talked on game day is because we were in Vancouver. And when you play in Carolina, you don't exactly, back in the day, didn't get a lot of coverage, to say yep. the least. Okay? So I talked to this guy in Vancouver, and I forget who it was. I swear in my mind it was Bruce Garriott, but he never lived in Vancouver, right? No. Okay, so it wasn't him, but I still think it's him for some reason. Um, the guy said to me, he's like, how is it down in Carolina? I'm like, yeah, it's actually pretty good. And then he's clicked off his stupid little mic and he goes, how is it really? And I go, come on, man. They're all Ernie F and Irvin fans. And the next day I come in the dressing room and guys are looking at me, shaking their head. And they're like, why'd you say that, man? I'm like, I swear to God, that was off the record. And that prick put it in the article. So after that, I said, that's it. <laughs> That's it. I'm never doing it again. And my big philosophy was until I got in the media and I understand guys like yourself and masters, they got to get your story in for the six o'clock sports center or that's hockey. I always said to myself, why the hell do you need to talk to me anyway? The game's at seven o'clock. Like talk to me after the game. I'll talk. I'll tell you whatever. I'll tell I got all day for you after the game. I do not want to talk to you and somebody irritate me the day of a game because Wally, as you know, I was very focused. <laughs> and that's what i've always heard about you is very focused so can i get like a, i'm sorry for always blowing you off on game day no i don't feel bad about it I blame the guy that screwed me in vancouver bruce <laughs> i think it was bruce garriott for some reason i can't get him out of my mind but i know uh, brucey wouldn't do that to me no no well not now um all right so now that you're a part of the media what advice do you have to meth who's now kind of joined the group um I think the challenge is whatever kind of, I mean, you guys are obviously covering the Sens, and I mean, 
the challenge is guys that you played with meth is just out of the game. So it's always difficult. I never played with any of these guys I played. So I really don't give a shit if they like me or don't like me. You just got to be honest with what you see. It's like, you know, saying an unfortunate backhand flip saucer pass. It's not unfortunate. It's just a garbage play or a terrible <laughs> play. You know what I mean? So just being honest and, and yeah. kind of telling everybody what happened. It's just like, and when we played, we know everybody's got a mom, everybody's got dad, uncles that read the paper. And it's not that fun when you're shit and you're playing like shit and people are writing shit about you because, you know, I remember my mom said, I can't believe that person wrote this or that. And it's just, I don't know. There's a way of saying somebody's a good player that made a real crappy play. That's the bottom line. As opposed yeah. to saying, oh, it's so unfortunate that that happened. It's not unfortunate because they did it and they make a lot of money not to do it. So that's, that's the challenge. Agreed. Yeah. I was that, that first year I was like kind of milling, but like in retirement, I was always between like, do I want to really do this? Cause in my mind, it was just like, okay, if I do decide to go media, I have to be critical of players. And you just nailed it there. Oh dog. It's like, I didn't want to bury guys that I knew and guys no. that I played with, but the league is so young now that even half the guys that I have played with that I actually knew well, aren't even in the league anymore. So, but I, that is good advice. I'll just start burying guys. So no, I think Matt, I, it's like, there's certain situations where like buddy's son or whatever, and you just, I'll just be like, I don't really want to touch that because that's somebody else do it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> let somebody else handle that. Let Wally yeah. rip on a guy if you know him or whatever. <laughs> Have you? Just, have, there, there's, there, there's just a handful of guys where I'm like, I'm just, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do it. I don't want to deal with the horseshit afterwards. So somebody else take it on. But there's other times where it's like, you could have dinner with a guy in the next night in the playoffs or whatever. It's like, guy just throws a pizza and the game's over, and you're like, what the hell? So have you had anybody, uh, any player, message you after and go, how could you say that about me? No, I've heard through different different avenues everybody knows everybody at tsn so it's like oh why'd you say that or why'd you say this or and it's just like how come that agent or the dad never calls me when i pump their tires to the nth degree how come i never hear from them then like i talk about the least players all i want to see is good plays i used to be a good player i could take a one-timer i could score unreal goals i could do this and that i love talking about it i love breaking it down because i understand what goes into it but when I talk about it, I never hear from an agent. I never hear from a dad saying, oh, thanks for talking about my guy. But you say one <laughs> thing, if everybody gets their feelings hurt, it's like, oh, no, why'd you say that? It's like, well, yeah. did you hear the 500 other positive comments I made? Yeah. Why did you get into broadcasting? It was an accident. It was a flat out accident. Um I made a stupid comment on Twitter, <laughs> which is surprising. Like back when I really didn't give a shit and I was like, I'm just going to say whatever I want. It was stupid. Then James Sabalski was doing the drive home show in Toronto and he got a hold of me. I don't know. I think through Twitter. And he's like, do you want to come on? And I basically explained that it was a stupid decision. Um, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, okay, next week, do you want to maybe come in? It was during the lockout. And then I, came, I went into the studio and then I went in again and then somebody pulled me aside. I think it was Rob Gray or, or Todd Hayes. And they said, you know, you're thinking about doing this. And I'm like, you know what? Playing golf every day is fun, and, but this didn't really have a sense of purpose. 
Yeah. And then I just gave it a shot. I had one opportunity that me and another guy, Bob Makowitz, were kind of like, I don't know if this is going to work. And I said, I think I just need to be on Leafs lunch. Like I'm a former Leaf player. I think that's the best fit. So I was doing that and then games on radio with Jim Taddy. And Jim Taddy was a great help because he's been in the industry and he knows the ins and outs and he knows how to work with people that are just getting in because he's done it so many times. Um, and then I started doing some NHL network and TV the first couple of times is horrifying because you're like, if I butcher this stuff, this is going viral and this is not going to be cool. And I had a couple awkward moments, but you just kind of get through it and then you just move on and you just get to a point where you don't even realize there's cameras. You're just, I feel you're just talking. Well, that's because you're always walking in front of the camera. No, uh, who cares? I don't know. <laughs> Wally, I swear to God, I've almost been doing it 10 years and I still have no idea what the hell's going on. It's like, I don't understand how all the microphones and I just, I just do my shit and I leave, man. That's all I do. Uh, I, I want, there's so much I got to ask you. I, we'll get to the least playoffs in a second. One is, I want to ask you about one particular game that was almost 20, uh, 19 years ago to the day. That was, uh, I think it's the Eastern final, but it might be cup final. You took a puck in the eye. And then you ended up scoring the game-winning goal in overtime, if I'm not mistaken, for Carolina. Can you take me through that game? Like, was there concern about your eye and the fact it's completely swollen and how you're playing with that? Yeah, I had concern about my eye. <laughs> I remember Brian McCabe was trying to clear it, and it hit me right in the eye. And I was like, oh, no, this is big-time trouble. Meth, I'm sure you've – I don't know if you've had any incidents where you're like – you're all whacked out and you're like, this is, this is more, oh, this yeah. is more than like a couple zippers. Like this is really bad. And then you see your face when you're walking through the medical room and then they just kind of iced it. And ultimately wasn't that bad, but I can remember Shane Corson, who was like just a grizzled competitor. Like he was a nasty dude. He was looking at me on the face off and it was the playoffs. And he looks at me and he goes, damn, are you all right? That's what I, <laughs> that's what I knew it was ugly because he would, he would usually say, I'm going to punch you in the face as soon as I can. And when he said, damn, are you all right? I'm like, this must be pretty bad. <laughs> so how, so what were you seeing that you were able to score? Like, could, could your, it was your peripheral vision. Okay. Based on. Yeah, it was honestly nothing. Like it okay. just looked ridiculous. I mean, it was a giant swollen, like eye swollen. <laughs> and I, I just played. You just, that's what you do in the playoffs. You just play. Uh, okay. You know, Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go. Go ahead, Wally. Go ahead. It's all good. I wanted to ask you, you have played with guys who are all over the league now, like Ron Francis, Rod Brindamore, Craig Adams, uh, Brendan Shanahan. Do you lean on any of those guys now, or do they pretend they don't know you? No, I have basically a relationship with the guys that I know they are in management. We can reach out and shoot the shit casually about stuff. Like, I played on Brendan Shanahan's line. Like, yeah. we've been friends for a long time. And we'll talk hockey once in a while, but he basically knows this is my job and that's his job. I don't really care about scoops. I'm not an insider. I don't call him ever. And that's the way we, you know, if we ever had an opportunity in the summertime or off season or something, we'd probably maybe grab a bite to eat. But we don't ever, I don't ever say like, what's the lineup tonight? Or is that guy okay? Because he just wouldn't even respond. So I, I just don't do it, and he doesn't bug me about my job, and I don't ask him about his. Uh, when it comes to overdrive, yes, how how does that work so well? And like, you can't just magically find. Usually, you, you 
it takes time to build that chemistry, but it seems for you guys, it's just easy. I love watching your show only because I get a kick at it every time you laugh at yourself, which I think is the best quality about your show is that you don't take yourself seriously and you just enjoy being there. Uh, and, and just like the La Bamba stuff to me will always go down as one of the funniest things I've ever watched. And that's you in your poncho thing after your shoulder surgery. I just think the biggest thing about it is all of us are relatable. I mean, Brian, although he didn't play in the NHL or major league baseball, I think he's probably the best host in, in, in the yeah. business, whether it's North or South of the border. And we're all just, I think, relatable Wally, where it's like, we don't try to act like, I mean, you're buddies with meth and you understand that he was an NHL star player, but deep down, he's just a regular dude and a cool dude. And I think that, we could talk about Austin Matthews contract or we could talk about a guy that's overweight wearing tight jeans. So it's like, <laughs> you got to have a balance of both. And I think that just people, I just don't think people want to listen to X's and O's and no. sport, hardcore sports talk all day long. I think they want to just see real people kind of doing the thing. And that's what we kind of try to do. And I think it works. Oh dog. How do you guys balance? Because I, I watched, it's funny, we're talking about Overdrive. I was watching it yesterday. How do you guys balance the chatter between, like, keeping up? Like, you're talking about golf. You're talking about the Jays. You're covering all these sports. And it sounds like you're so busy with hockey alone. How do you do all that? Like, I, I just, I have a hard time understanding how you can keep track of all these sports and keep chiming in the way you do. Um, well, the one thing is Sports Center is your best friend. And then Brian Hayes, like, early in, in my like working with him he would just be he used to throw out this line he does it he's like you know i read a piece about this and i'm like how many pieces does this guy read <laughs> and and you realize man if you just scroll through what's going on in other sports and there's some people that say oh you should never comment on the jays and i'm like why the hell not why the hell not bob mccowan owned the sports radio market in toronto he never played professional sports why was he allowed to weigh in on everything but i'm not and I'm a baseball fan. I think I understand the game. You just follow the transactions, who's doing well, and you just kind of follow along. And I mean, we don't work till four o'clock. And in the middle of winter, there's not a hell of a lot going on in Toronto. Sure. So a lot of reading and you just watch TV. You could fire on NFL Network and watch that all morning and see about that. And then just kind of, I have a really good memory and I don't need to write stuff down, but I just, it's like even hockey plays. If a hockey play happened two weeks ago and something somebody scored, you can say, wow, that goal happened two weeks ago. And if you see an NFL transaction or a comment or review somebody else has, you can kind of twist that into your own. You just gotta, I just watch a lot and try to read as much as I can. Are you having more fun now or when you were a player? I gotta be honest, Wally, I'm having more fun now. Big leagues is a big leagues, man. You make tons yeah. of money and you travel around, but I don't, I don't miss it. I don't no, miss I the games. I don't miss the games, regular season games, the grind. I tell this to everybody. They don't understand. Like I like the dinners nights before, like on the road and stuff like that. All that shit was fun. But like the stress of being prepared for games yeah. and on a game day, like, sorry, on a day off, you're always worried about the next game. Like I, I, I don't know. miss that at all. I, don't. I got to a point later in my career where I'm like, the only thing I enjoy about this is obviously the money and the lifestyle because you're making a ton of it. But yeah. all I really enjoy right now is the game, like the actual game where you drop the puck and you compete for three hours. And then 
after that it was like the media and then the workouts and the travel i'm like man this is a goddamn grind and it sounds like you're a whiner a complainer but you do it for 10 years plus it's like uh, I, I went with the barry sanders idea man it was like why well, they asked barry sanders why he wanted to retire and he said my desire not to play was greater than my desire to play and i totally felt the same way yeah yeah i well i got before i forget you have this beautiful set in the background. Like, did TSN pay for this little nice setup you got? Um, probably more the Carolina Hurricanes and Toronto Maple Leafs for this one. <laughs> <laughs> let's get let's get into the playoffs just for a sec, because I know you're a, you're a, you're a Maple Leaf super fan and all that. So, right now with the way things are, no, okay, maybe not a super fan, O Dog. I'm just saying. Uh, right now with the way the series is going, like I was watching last night, I made a comment. I got absolutely verbally abused Why? by the Maple Leaf fan. Uh, yeah, I wasn't even chirping the Leafs. I, I had them winning the series. Like I'm not even a hater, but was they got offended. The comment about the series in itself? Yeah, oh, just, I know. just, just about the series being kind of dull. Like it's missing a little bite. What are your thoughts on everything? I mean, I'm sure this is how Toronto wants to play, but it's just as a viewer, it's painful. Well, the biggest difference is, and I think my buddy Carlo, who comments on every single Twitter account that's out there, <laughs> he made a good point where it's like, if you watch the States, it's like Carolina's barn is just hopping. Yeah, Whoever's counting fans. the attendance and calling 12,000, there's 30,000 people in there. But you, I'm not getting into who's responsible for not no fans in the building, but it sucks, man. Imagine playing playoff games and the usual, like, uh, Montreal, man, that barn would be rocking for those home games. And I'm sure the players would play even better. But Montreal is terrible right the now. Best, that's the best spot in the league. Post, well, I guess I'm biased. I played a few rounds there. But, man, it's insane. And Montreal is one of the only barns in the league where it's hopping and warm-up. Yeah. It'll, it's We would walk. So we're walking down to the Bell Center from, like, the Ritz during playoffs. And there'd be, like, groups of people at the gas station right on the corner chirping us. Like, Telling oh, us yeah. we're absolute garbage. Like, and we'd get into like a back and forth with these Montreal fans <laughs> as we we're going to the building. So they're so passionate. They're missing all that. But anyway, I guess I just feel like beyond just the fans, there's no like animosity between the no, two teams. And you but think, maybe- I think a guy, when you watch what happened with John Tavares, Smith, I mean, Corey Perry, I think that took a chunk out of him too. I, I mean, agree. It, put, it took Tavares out of the series and who knows what yeah. kind of state. In, but I think that took a chunk out of the Corey Perry when that happens. You always feel awful. And everybody thinks that he's a rat and he is, but he's a hell of a player and he does have a oh, conscience. Yeah. Like usually he would just be punching guys in the face, spearing guys, and he's kind of disappeared, much like all the other forwards for the Montreal. Yeah, team. yeah, he'd be like he typically like he's a, he's a, he's a rat, right? Like he'd be at net front getting in Campbell's face maybe making contact occasionally and he's not even like wouldn't you think the montreal canadians if they were know they were going to be if they knew down three one was kind of on the horizon yeah you would last resort try to run the maple leafs out of the building do something something that's what i was saying yesterday i'm like with this group like look at the defensemen they're all like 220 pound plus guys maybe not all of them but they're a big physical group and it was just flat and i know I know, like, you know, like your fan base over there, like no one wants to hear us pumping up Montreal, but like I just wanted to see a more competitive series. And people were blowing this thing up before the series even begun. Like, you know, it's Toronto, Montreal, and you'd think that there'd be more heat. Anyway, kind of disappointing. Would you have started Freddie Anderson over Jack Campbell in game one? Ooh, I wouldn't question. have. I, well, um, I, I probably would have because I think that 
I don't know. Sometimes you fall down a rabbit hole of hot takes where you look back on it and you just say, God damn, that was stupid. Like I just, I was so, I was just ignorant to, to Jack Campbell's record. And I'm like, I have this thing in my head. My take was always Freddie Anderson has the DNA. That was my big go-to line. The DNA, <laughs> the DNA. I was trying to sound like this smart broadcaster, this DNA of a number one goaltender. Yeah. And now I'm thinking the guy hasn't played in four months. Why the hell does his DNA or whatever it is have anything to do with Jack Campbell? And obviously they started the right guy and he's been unbelievable for them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, does the Toronto Maple Leafs do the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup? I think they got an opportunity, Wally, but that's that's just like everybody. You look at the Colorado Avalanche, you you look at somebody beating that team. The way I look at it is I always look at somebody beating Colorado four times, man. You That's think what of, I don't see it one or two times, let alone four. So they're going to be awfully tough to beat. And I also think the semifinals, there might be an opportunity for those series to be pretty quick because there's no familiarity. And one team must might be on a completely different level than a team from another division and just absolutely kick their ass. They have, they, they'll, have, they'll, they'll not know what's coming to them. Yeah, I have no... I have no argument to that. Like that was, we were talking earlier. I can't see any team beating Colorado if they're healthy and they're rolling, even with Toronto. I think if Campbell's standing on his head, that's one thing gives you a good opportunity and you're getting secondary scoring out of guys like Spezza and Thornton right now. I mean, and to me, it's, it's a, it, to me, it's clear cut that Colorado's the heavy favorite. And I know Toronto is so used to playing against teams like Ottawa, Montreal, that I don't think the North has been near as deep as we all think it is. Like, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I think the North was a major disappointment. I yes. thought Vancouver okay. was going to be awesome. Edmonton got swept in the first round. Montreal started out hot. Now they're terrible. Yeah. Um, Ottawa, it's like, who would have thought at the beginning of the season that Ottawa would have been kind of one of the better stories in the division? I thought yeah. Calgary was terrible. It was just like, it was an, I thought it was, everybody was so fired up for like Canadian hockey and Canadiana. <laughs> and I was like, Two weeks into it, I'm like, is these guys playing each other again? Yeah, that's how I felt again? too. Again? Yeah. Uh, O-Dog, oh, oh what is it like to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs when you grow up, you know, wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey? Well, it was unbelievable, Wally. I almost, like, I had tears in my eyes when I put the jersey on for the first game. I was like, yeah. I don't know, every Saturday night you sit and watch and then you get to play for the team. I've just been, I'm, I'm lucky, man. I got to play for the team and now I kind of cover the team just very fortunate. They've been a lot. And you see behind me, I kind of have the legends role of the Maple Leaf guys. Like people are like, Oh, you're such a super fan. And I just think that's a crock of shit. It means a lot to me. And that's why I have it there. But did, did you make a little uh, die cast of yourself to put on legends row there in the back? Wally, why would I do that? You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> see, I just, was that's I not maybe obnoxious for... move to make like a casting of yourself. <laughs> Oh, meth has his jerseys hanging. I just thought maybe you'd probably get a bronze statue. I found something the other day that I thought was pretty cool because I thought it was long gone. I was digging through a box of all my old shit at my mom's house, and I found my 40th goal puck. I was like, that thing's still a New York Rangers 40th goal. I was pretty cool to find. I figured that could make one of the shelves. It was cool enough. That's pretty good. 41 <laughs> goals that season. Very, like, I mean... I can't imagine what it's like to go on kind of a, a heat or such as that. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to, to go through your career. I just want to know 
now that I have you here, uh, was I your favorite kind of reporter to work with? Like as far as like TSN type work? Sure. Is there, sure. I'll take no. anything. No. <laughs> Duffy's my favorite one. And oh. behind Duffy is Mark Masters, John Wu, and Sarah Orestes. <laughs> Do you forgot Rashad Farhan? Um, yeah, Rashad, I love him too. Yeah, okay. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I don't want to keep you any longer because I've had enough because this hurts my feelings. So wait, uh, wait, maybe... wait, wait, wait. We gotta ask him this. We gotta ask him oh. the typical what's your favorite snack question. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is, and then I'm going to let you guys go. Okay, I'm going to do a I'm going to do a mic drop after this. Okay, you go to the grocery store and get yourself a box of Triscuits, some cheddar cheese, and dill pickles, and you put a slice of cheddar and a little slice of pickle on top of the cheddar. Welcome to heaven, boys. Welcome to heaven. <laughs> Okay. You guys don't try it and get back to me. I'll be pissed. Give it a shot. Okay. Beth sounds will, good. For sure. All right. So, all right. um, and, and the next time in Toronto, I promise to take you out for our first dinner. We will go to uh, Wendy's and get a Baconator. I don't care if that happens or doesn't happen. <laughs> okay. Take care of my so friend. I, I miss See you, you boys. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Welcome back to the Wine Thought Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Check out the all-new lineup of custom trucks and Mustangs at barhavenford.com slash bfc-customs. All right, time for On the Points, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. Sports Interaction is Canada's odds maker. Head over to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Mathot today. Get in on the action. And let's get in on the action right now, Math. Two games tonight in the NHL. We have talked ad nauseum, it feels like, about the Leafs and the Habs. And I'm pretty sure I know which way you're leaning, but... Uh, let's just point out that Montreal is 11 to one odds. So if you do make a bet on Montreal, you will get rewarded. Oh, and I'm, I'm tempted to <laughs> lean towards Montreal only because in my opinion, they're due to have one good game. Yes. Like, I mean, forget about game one. You would think that they bounce back after their last two, but the way Toronto's playing right now and the lack of emotion that I'm seeing in Montreal, I'm going to keep it very simple for everybody. I've got my money on Toronto. I just do. And I, I I have a hard time making an argument other than the great odds. I have a hard time making an argument otherwise. Okay. Uh, give me a goal score. Winning series, winning goal then. A goal scorer? Yeah. Who's going to score the winning goal? I'm going to go with Kerfoot. I'm going to go with Kerfoot. And I'm going to say that it'll be another relatively high scoring game. I'm going to go 4-2 Toronto. I was going to ask you the over-under. Okay. I you know what? I'm taking Jason Spezza. I think he's on a roll, and and he's my buddy, and so I'm going to pick Jason Spezza all day. All right. Uh, Preds and Hurricanes. Preds, they're the six to one odds because things are a little dicey for them. So, who are you going to take? I'm just this another simple answer. Just based off the crowd that I've been seeing in Carolina, I'm going with Carolina. I mean, they're rolling, and these guys, I can't figure it out. They've just been such a good, consistent team now for a couple seasons yeah. that I think they're just due to make some more noise and. I, I, do, I just think they're deeper. And between the depth that they have on their back end, I just, for me, I'm biased being an ex-defenseman. I just love leaning on that. The only thing that's going to change, and we talk about it all the time, is goaltending in the postseason and whether or not sure. UC Saros makes the difference. And I, something tells me he's going to have one of those games. But I, in the end, I'm going to say Carolina ends this series tonight. Uh, those are the picks 
Now make yours at sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot. Sports Interaction is Canada's online sports book. Of course, odds subject to change. Welcome back to the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. They are the first and only dealership in Ottawa to feature the Roush-inspired custom builds. Go to barhavenford.com slash bfc-customs. And speaking of customs, here is Craig to join us once again. Guys, I have a quick question. So I went the other day to a juice place in Canada that, have you heard of bubble tea? I have. Yeah. Have you had bubble tea? Nope. No. Okay. So I don't know what's about to transpire. My son and my daughter, they just were like, Hey, let's go to this new juice place. So I go in and I look at the menu and I don't, but I see all this people ordering stuff with like black balls at the bottom of it. I'm like, all right. So I order what looks like a uh, iced coffee with black balls at the bottom of it. Anyway, get it. I go to take a sip of it, this big straw, and all of a sudden I like nearly choked to death because I've swallowed now a black ball. I think it's, I came tapioca or something. I don't know. It tastes like, and then I try and chew it. It's like a chewy gummy bear. So <laughs> I, I don't like, and I'm like, this is like the weirdest thing ever. So I didn't know, like, this is the whole new rage of bubble teas. And I, I'm completely lost and I will never go back. Well, I mean, I'm glad you shared your bubble tea story with us. I've never had it and I don't plan on ever having it. Okay. Anyway, if yeah. you do, let me know. Yeah. yeah. I'm not shocked you're struggling with current food, though. Like, uh, <laughs> no, that's not a it, huge surprise. I, um, I'll stop, Doug. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, something we wanted to do a little bit was uh, kind of chat more about the playoffs. It's playoff season, obviously. Uh, people are going through it. And uh, something that's kind of cool about us is uh, a bunch of us have experienced playoffs before, right? So uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about playoffs uh, and the p- experience around it presented by Faces Magazine. So check out uh, their latest issue and updated articles on facesmag.ca. So Meth, uh, Wally, if you guys don't mind, I was just going to kind of bombard you with a couple quick little behind the scenes playoff questions. So, yeah, let's um, do it. Yeah, for sure. For starters, I think um, maybe something, this is probably more for Meth, but uh, when you have kind of the relationship with family and friends, like that's obviously going to change a little bit during the playoffs. How do you manage kind of your friends and family, maybe asking for freebies or looking for tickets uh, while you're trying to stay focused on the, the playoffs? I uh, it, Yeah, that's a good question. I, I tune everybody out, everybody, like, you name it, my friends, my parents, you like, I don't talk to anybody, uh, especially during the series. My parents typically would take over the ticket thing for me. So people wanted tickets or wanted somehow to set a couple aside. They would contact my mom and dad. I was totally focused on the series itself and nothing else. And that's how I got through it. Otherwise there's so many distractions. And at this level, you have to figure out how to get through it. And shutting off your phone, not checking your mentions on Twitter, or reading all that nonsense and garbage doesn't do any good for you. You just focus on your game. And occasionally you might talk to a buddy about something completely irrelevant away from the NHL. And it's what keeps you, it's how you maintain your sanity and your focus. That's it. Like, this is one of the few times, I guess there's probably a lot of times I'm jealous I'm not an NHL player because you guys would be at the rink, maybe in a morning skate, probably not. Rarely did you practice if you had overtime the night before, all that stuff. We worked every day, every morning, every yeah. night. And that grind of the postseason, while it's fun and you, when you're in it, you you like hate yourself. But that grind of playing in the po- or covering the postseason is electric, but it's also extremely exhausting. You just want to get home, get to bed and try to get up the next. Day. I remember I lost, I think, 12 to 14 pounds when you're covering the postseason. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, the, 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 the media people are there traveling with us and they're at the rink 
all day. And when they're not at the rink, they're at the hotel working as well, trying to find interviews with coaches, with players. I couldn't imagine, like at least with players, when I would leave practice or it was a day off on the road during the playoffs, you just, you just go back to your room, watch a movie. Maybe you go get a shake or a smoothie. The weather's yeah. nice. You're not worried Bubble about tea. a thing. So, yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Um, how does the media stuff change then? Cause I mean, like I know for players, your media availabilities are drastically different. It's rare. It's rare that you'll do kind of one-on-one stuff. You'll mostly just cover your media availabilities and, and that's about it. Is that how nice? I mean, first off, how nice is that, that the media obligations do go down a bit for you uh, during the playoffs and how do you handle kind of the bombardment of a playoff media setting? And I mean, you guys were both there for the Andrew Hammond stuff. Like, he used to have yeah. to do two to three media scrums. Like it was nuts. But yeah. dur- during the playoffs, obviously it's rabid and there's those things. How do you manage kind of the media requirements? Well, it's 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 strange because during the season, yeah, you're going to do a little bit more perhaps. But when you do it in the playoffs, there might be, you know, 20 reporters and, and camera crew guys hovering around you like in a in a semicircle in the dressing room. You've seen like where you'd have like two, three, four rows deep of people all trying to reach in. And that, that can be overwhelming if you're a player and you're not comfortable doing media related stuff. For me, it never really made a difference if it was two guys or if it was 20, it was all, it was all relative, right? You're still going to give the same answer, but it can be nerve wracking for younger guys and a little overwhelming. And that's back to my original point. Don't read anything on your, cause, cause when all these reporters are, are tracking every common word you're saying, they're posting it on their Twitter and occasionally they're tagging you and stuff or fans opposing fans are reaching out to you and trying to get under your skin a little bit. If you tune it out, you're not even thinking about it. Uh, I will add, if you are bilingual, your life is extremely different and more difficult if you're playing against the Montreal Canadiens because you're doing two scrums minimum and on and on it goes, right? So you're like for you, yeah. uh, for Pager, for a few other guys, you were there for a lot longer. And then we would try, at least the TV guys, we would try to get one-on-ones uh, and occasionally we would. So the players are there a little longer, like you're probably a half hour. If you happen to come out that day, you're probably a half hour. Now there were guys that wanted to do it too. Like Jason Spezza would always come out every day, whether he wanted to or not, but there was always guys available. You were really good to come out. You know, Boro would be one. Uh, Pajot's another one that always used to come out anyway. Yeah. Um, the, but the whole thing about just the playoff atmosphere and that delay and how the media tries to, to do everything. Like it's, it, I, as I go back to it, it's a grind, but you appreciate the players who do spend the time. I, I certainly have always remembered playoffs and the guys who are always available. Cause those are the ones that always became uh, the really good people in the end. Brent, how do you, how do you manage? Cause this is something that I had to deal with too. How do you manage the, the fine line of like getting what you need and not being a nuisance? Cause I always found during the playoffs, it, like the last thing you want to do is like ask again and ask again. So you really had to kind of manage your ask on the broadcast yes. side. How, how did you look after that? So you try not to go to the same person every day if you can avoid it. And, but if it's Sidney Crosby, you go to Sidney Crosby every day. It doesn't matter if he's saying anything or not. The first place you go to and all the media runs in mm-hmm. and tries to get in front of Sidney Crosby and he, and he's very vanilla. He doesn't say much, but you have to hear whatever Sidney Crosby has to say. I will say, and I experienced this in Montreal for the first time when I was uh, coming in to help Michael Whalen. And Michael Whalen had been in Montreal for years. And they wouldn't start the scrum until the whoever's for TSN would ask the first question. And it carried over to Ottawa. And I do remember, like, if I was in the scrum first, they would always, for the most part, look to me and go, okay, are you going to ask the first question? Because they know I'm not going to try and go at them right away or try and really dig down. Or if there's an important question that needs to be asked, 
they know if it's coming from me, it's going to be probably worded in a way that's not trying to get something out of them. So um, the power of the TSN mic flash, I'll always remember, carried a lot of weight in the locker room. Probably more than the uh, Sense TV one that we had. <laughs> you guys way. would always just stand next to me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just leech. That was the job. Um, okay. Uh, here, here's another one that kind of maybe picked up a little bit. And we noticed it because Brent is completely clean shaven again here. But the idea of playoff beards has seemed to kind of maybe calm down a little bit. Is that maybe because it is a younger league and A, these guys, maybe they didn't grow up with it as well, but also maybe they can't grow them as, as strongly? Like, would you guys like to see more playoff beards back in style? Math is the tradition gone? No. I mean, it's just, <clears throat> I think you nailed it there. I think it's just a younger league. I mean, when you look at old playoff footage, the NHL players look older. Yeah. Like These are older men. Sure. Now, you know, these are young players in their 20s, early 20s, mid, early to mid 20s. And some guys just quite frankly can't really grow them. And so I think that's all it is. Because I can still, it's funny you bring that up because I was thinking that the other day. And it reminded me of when I was a little younger watching the NHL and I would have been in my teens. So, you know, you know, 20 years ago, players are just older and the league's obviously, you know, trending to that opposite direction now where all the players are a lot younger. So I think that's honestly all it is. I think most players are, are attempting to grow it. You're just seeing a lot more peach fuzz I these days. I see a lot more guys that are clean shaven. Like even Jason Spence has got the goatee now. Like it's not, there, yeah. there is well, Jay, more shaving Jay, going on. Yeah, but Jason Spence has got that sort of baby face too, right? Like he yeah. can't, he doesn't grow a full beard. And that's, again, you just don't see a lot of guys capable of growing them anymore because they're yeah. still so young. Is it kind of like Movember-ish a little bit where like you might, I mean, maybe you started a little bit early, but also like if you're, the beard comes in over time. And if you're not sure if you're going to make it, make it three, four rounds, because most people don't, do you kind of yeah. just maybe play it underneath and then like, oh, you know what? I haven't shaved for this first you round. Give it like, yeah, you give it a little bit of a head start. You might start growing it a week or two prior just to get like to get a little growth going yeah. first. But I mean, I think people fans overthink it more than the players do. The players don't they don't give a shit. They just yeah. don't. It's just the way it is. You either grow one or you don't. But no one's joking about it in the room. No one's no one's saying anything. You know, it's just like you look at Thornton. Yeah. He's been growing it. He's been growing it all year. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, I think the whole thing of shaving right before game one and moving forward is kind of got it's done with. Yeah. But uh, I like it, though. I still like seeing the guys that grizzled look. It looks tough and it's fun to watch the guys battle. OK, I got one more here. Um, and it's just it's about the handshake line, because, I mean, we see it right at the end of the series and everybody goes through and you shake everyone's hand. Um, how hard is it to kind of put the emotion it's it's like a ufc fight or a boxing right 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 after you're done you kind of have to move on from it right like how hard is yeah. it to maybe suppress some of the emotion that's built up over that series to just say like hey congrats or best of luck or whatever yeah it's it's not i i at least from my perspective i mean i was always fully vested i always wanted to win obviously but there's almost whether you're on the winning side or on the losing side there's always a weird feeling of relief when it's over you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When you're done with the battle, whether you've won or lost, you're still going to go into that handshake line with a newfound respect for your opponents, even if it was a guy that you hated. In fact, the guys that you battled the most against are typically typically the guys that you're going to have a couple words with uh, of respect and kind of a friendly little back and forth banter before you move on to the next guy in that row of handshaking. So for me, there was always a sigh of relief going, oh, okay, well, it's over. You know, we can move on. Maybe I'm not as happy as I would be if I was on the winner's side, mm -hmm. but the battle's over. You can exhale, um, you know, and it's, it's done with. And again, it hits you when you get back into the locker room 
you're sitting in your stall and everyone's kind of hunched over. It's very quiet. No one's getting undressed when you're on the losing side. I mean, I still remember the feeling when we lost to Pittsburgh in game seven, that double OT, that was hard. Like some guys were kind of choked up. Some guys were tearing a little bit because you get so far. And then all of a sudden that one goal, it's everything's taken away from you. But again, the, the, the handshake line is nothing but respect. And that never changes no matter how much you hated that other player during the series. So there's not one player that you didn't want to shake his hand. No, ah, good. I never experienced that. I mean, I'm sure if there was a guy that folded me from behind, maybe, yeah. which I never experienced, but if there was well, a real I, dirty, I mean, Sydney, Sydney Crosby yeah. would be the obvious guy. Yeah. But I, but no Crosby, especially that's a guy that I respect the heck out okay. of. So I'd never have any issues with that. No. Okay. Okay. One last, so this is kind of a little extra one, but it's more, more so just based off of the, the convo we had with uh, Jeff O'Neill a minute ago, Matthew you mentioned that like the things you missed about hockey were like the dinners and the, those fun things. Is there something specific maybe you miss about the playoffs? Like whether it yeah, was well, I, like, I just, I don't miss the regular season games. O-Dog made a complete opposite comment. He likes, yeah. he likes, playing in the games. I guess it just depends what position you're playing. I mean, I'm a defenseman. I'm physical. I was blocking shots. I was doing things that most players don't like doing. So it wasn't always fun for me. You know, my answer would have been different had I been a goal scorer probably and having that feeling of scoring goals and everyone cheering for you. Like I never experienced that, at least not a lot. Right. (laughs) But in the postseason, I'd get a lot more love for my play and everything was on the line. So blocking that extra shot, getting in front of that body or running a guy over, it meant more. And so I think I got more validation out of my play and recognition for that in the playoffs. So my favorite part of playing was playoffs. I loved playing NHL hockey in the postseason because that's when the gamers came out to play. And that's when you got to make a real name for yourself. So again, that would be my answer, but I hated the regular season. I had no time for that. And I hated practices too. Brent, what about you? Is there anything about the playoffs like that? I don't know, not that you miss because we're still watching it, but like, is there something about it that you particularly enjoyed from your it's just the it, Obviously, it's just the adrenaline and the emotion of trying to cover all that stuff going on at one time. When you used to have to cover both dressing rooms, that was a nightmare. Or if Toronto and Ottawa were going at it, even the media would be ornery with one another and they want to protect their own teams. The same with Montreal. So you've got battles and scrums. Like I've seen guys punch guys in scrums, uh, almost come to blows over mics and all kinds of stuff. So um, everybody just gets heightened sense of awareness, I guess, in the postseason. doesn't matter if you're playing or covering it. Okay. Uh, you know what, guys? I've asked you a lot of questions, and now it's time to flip it a little bit, and we're going to start asking. Uh, it, we're bringing in Trivial Trivia, brought to you by gongshow.com. Um, we're giving away another Gong Show sauce-off kit today. People love them. They're killing it. Um, the Ultimate Backyard Game. Uh, you know what? We got to award this one first, right? So let's go back to our last episode <laughs> with Dave Cameron where we asked um, uh, which GM did Dave Cameron score his first NHL goal on? And of course the answer, Jim Rutherford. So that's pretty sweet. And you know who knew that one? Uh, At Slacker Galactic. You have a dope Twitter name and you also have yourself a gong show sauce off kit. So keep an eye on those DMs because we're going to be reaching out to you very shortly. So today's the Jeff O'Neill thing. Yo doc, that was great. You guys must have fun during that one. I, I've always loved O-Dog, despite the fact he doesn't like me. I quite enjoyed him. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I just love how unapologetic he is, and he oh. doesn't sugarcoat anything, yeah. as we all know. So I, I have a deep respect for that. I love it. We need more of that. Yeah, I have a feeling that, that he's probably that guy off the like off mic too, right? So like I like when you can see that translate. So anyways, yeah. you, you guys did a great job with the interview there. Um, and I so today we're giving away another bone saw 
sauce uh, kit. <laughs> and you're going to come up with these reads today. Um, so it's another little prize pack from them. They're the best. We've talked about their sauce uh, a bunch of times. I, I regularly dip into it now. Um, I think at some point we're going to start eating the hot stuff on the show just for some fun, just maybe make trivia a little spicy. Uh, but to, so if um, we're giving away another bone sauce, uh, sauce prize pack, so you, it's a locally made hot sauce that you can get at bonesaucesauceco.com. And the question is, it's not a question really from the interview because you know what, let's mix it up a little bit. Uh, how many hat tricks did Jeff O'Neill have in his career? If you know mm-hmm. the answer to that, head on over to Twitter, use the hashtag Wally and Mathot and tag at bonesaucesauceco. Uh, on Twitter. Uh, contest closes Friday, May 28th at midnight, and we're going to reveal the winner on our next show. Uh, speaking of our next show, it's going to come on Monday. But before that, you are busy once again in Toronto covering the World Championships. We wish you good luck, safe travels down to the big smoke. Uh, if you like our content, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's where we like to play uh, with all the fun, and we like to make your uh, viewing pleasure enjoyable. So, uh, also, you can catch us on uh, Apple, Google, all the Spotify uh, podcast networks out there. And of course, um, you're watching the Wally Mathot Show, powered as always by Barhaven Ford. See you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.